Today's special guest on the Chattering Hour is theatre, film and TV actor Naomi Grossman. You may know her for her iconic role as Pepper in American Horror Story Season 2, Asylum, and for her reprisal of the role in Season 4 and her later appearance in American Horror Story. And recently she's appeared in Ryan Murphy's spin-off season, American Horror Stories, but she has done so much more. Up next, the ever-delightful Naomi Grossman. And we are back with our special guest, Naomi Grossman. As well as acting on film and TV, Naomi has rave reviews for her solo theatre shows, which she's performed in Los Angeles and New York off-Broadway and in Edinburgh and London in the UK. She was also nominated for an Emmy Award for her role in the TV show Control-Alt-Delete. Let's get to it. Naomi, thank you so much for joining me here today. Of course. <laughs> so I'd like to take you right back to the very beginning. Um, where did you grow up? I was born on the coldest day of the year uh, in Denver, Colorado. Um, I won't name the year, but um, I we you know the the VW bus barely uh, started uh, in order to to get a, get me to the hospital in time. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, if you really want the real Genesis, that's it. That's it. Yeah. And so what was, what was your childhood like? What, for example, what was a fun day for you when you were a kid? Mm. Well, I was an only child, so it was a a bit, mm, you know, I wouldn't say solitary. I just, um, uh, I was uh, around adults a lot. Right. Uh, so I was a very adult child. And then now that I've become an adult, I'm more of a child. <laughs> like I missed out on some of that. Um, so I'm, I'm making up for it now. But um, my family was extremely cultured, uh, really great about exposing me to art and music and ballet and dance and the, 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 you know, the cinema and you name it. Um, so, you know, from a very young age, I remember going to the, you know, the opera and the, uh, and, and, you know, watching those folks up on stage and, and I wanted to be one of them. Um, and sometimes I made it into the aisles and practically up on stage before they were able to, you know, retrieve me back. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. So, re- so it really did start that. So did you do amateur dramatics when you were a kid? Yes, I was. Um, yeah, actually, it's funny. I remember my mom taking me to see a, a children's uh, touring show at the local, you know, public library. And I I wanted to be one of those guys, boy. And so sure enough, um, I auditioned, did not get in, but that did not deter me. Uh, they offered, you know, kids creative dramatics classes, which I signed up for. Uh, and sure enough, at my very first class, 
I projectile vomited. I was so excited to be there. And again, that still didn't deter me. I, I was like hooked. I, I needed more. Um, and yeah, so, uh, uh, but that uh, ended up, you know, I, um, I performed actually with this little company called Kid Skits. And it's funny, we're still friends. Like the, the friendships that I made then are still very much, you know, th these guys are still working in the industry. Um, you know, I could name drop quite a few, uh, some of which you may even know of, you know, kids singing and dancing and performing every Saturday morning at the Comedy Works in downtown Denver, um, uh, who are, you know, still at it today. It's quite remarkable. Right, right. Did you watch a lot of TV or films when you were a kid? No, not at all. Television was very forbidden. Uh, it was, um, you know, the boob tube. It, it rotted the brain. So uh, our, you know, my television viewing was limited to Cosmos with Carl Sagan and um, Sunday Morning with Charles Kuralt. I don't know if you're familiar with either, but they're very, uh, you know, intellectual, super heady, you know, public broadcast system sort of, you know, education. And um, th therefore, yes, that was my, um, you know, my drug. I, every, you know, whenever um the parentals were away i was binging uh you know family ties and uh you know facts of life you know and then, then the minute they came in i was you know television off you know no i wasn't doing anything i remember when um that movie clueless came out and i i was watching that and i remember again i got nothing but you know side eyes from my parents what is this and when i told them it's based on a jane austen you know novel all of a sudden oh okay i mean they were very just abs absurdly uptight and again what what do they get they got someone obsessed with you know pop culture and um you know at the epicenter of it all so you know, just goes to show you, you know, let your kids watch TV. Otherwise, look what will happen. <laughs> so when so when did you decide that, OK, I really want to do this professionally? And presume you, you went away and you got trained, did you? Yes, I. I mean, I decided from the like very beginning, like, you know, um, from that moment I was, you know, having to clean up my own vomit in this, you know, acting class. I think at that point, I mean, obviously uh, th that, that performing company actually was associated with a, um, an agency, a talent agency in town. And so very soon afterward, I was actually going out for, you know, regional commercials, Father Dowling Mysteries. Like it wasn't much, but it was as much as there was to be done in Denver, Colorado at the time. Um, so, you know, I, you know, I got my SAG card on my 15th birthday, uh, which actually kind of took me out for a while, uh, only because there wasn't all that much union work there. Um, but it did mean that once I went on to Northwestern University in Chicago uh, and I was, you know, at that point I was pretty much committed. Like I, you know, was a theater major. I was training to be an actress and, and then eventually moved on to Los Angeles as soon as I graduated because 
four years of Chicago winner was enough. Um, you know, at that point I was already ahead of the game. Like I already had my, you know, union card. I was, so, um, you know, I think when people ask, what was that moment when you decided it was like, it, I decided I was already so far gone. Like when people would ask, like, what are you going to be when you grow up? I was like, well, I'm kind of already an actress. So I guess I'll just keep doing that. Like I, you know, I, I don't know. I also think that, you know, acting, (laughs) it's almost like, um, being gay like you kind of don't get to choose like it chooses you and there's really no getting around you know you can't pray the pray the actor away believe me I have and it doesn't work like so um yeah I you know I didn't decide it it decided yeah yeah I love that idea of pray the actor away yeah yeah (laughs) It's like, no. why can't I just want a normal job? Why can't, you know, why can't I just be happy and just do, you know, normal things? And- no, and I tried. I I was normal for a whole year and it was, I was miserable. It just didn't work for me. What What did you do with, what did you do during your normal year? What, what work were you doing? Well, I, so I was um, a member of the Groundling Sunday Company, uh, which is, um, pretty prestigious uh, theater, uh, comedy theater here in Los Angeles. And um, they they have this school, which is, it's, I don't want to say pyramid system because it sounds sort of like a like some sort of cult, yeah. which it kind of is. But, um, you know, basically you just keep rising. You know, at the bottom level is basically everyone who's, whoever thought they were funny in their high school ever. Right. And the, the more you go, the more it really whittles down. And by the end, by the tip top, you're with like the eminent, you know, comedy pros in working today. You know, all, all, everybody on SNL came out of Groundlings. So and I actually made it to the tip top. Uh, but at last at the tip top, they either vote you up or out and they voted me out. And so at that point, I really I just felt like I given it my all that was my my you know that was my uh uh one direct route to Saturday night live and when they voted me off i figured well they they're the authority they know what's what i must suck <laughs> you know they said so i quit i um i gave it a uh, um I, I basically, to answer your question, I uh, uh, just decided I, I needed a day job, a real job. So I went to a school called the Beverly Hills Lingual Institute and, um, you know, asked if they needed Spanish teachers and they did. And so I became a Spanish teacher and um, I got a boyfriend and, you know, I did all those things that I'd basically been denying myself because I felt like, you know, uh, you, you can't do it all. Like, you know, I felt very much like, you know, I, I tend to be hyper-focused. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I can't like have a boyfriend and a career at the same time. And which is obviously not true. Others manage. I just haven't <laughs> like, I, I can't do both. Um, or at least I haven't been able to be successful at both at the same time. Right. Right. right so, right. uh, 
in any case, you know, I did all these things I'd been denying myself. And after a good year in, I, I realized just how miserable I was. Um, so I quit the boyfriend, not boys, just that particular one. And, um, and I, I wish I could have quit the job, but I, you know, I couldn't, I just, I, I needed to, you know, couldn't have afford my life otherwise, but I did get busy, um, writing and, um, creating my own material because, you know, I, I just, I wasn't being cast in a traditional way. And so I might as well cast myself. And that is, um, that was my saving grace that kind of got me, that was my gateway back drug back in. Right. So is this what led you on to doing the solo shows? Yes. That was, um, actually my second solo show. Right. Yeah. So for those of the, you know, because obviously these are theatre shows. I've seen clips because they're they're on your website. So tell, please tell people a little about your. What was the inspiration for the short, the solo shows? Well, I am. <laughs> uh, it sounds kind of gross um, when you say it that way, but uh, or when I say it that way, um, everything sounds nice when it comes out of your mouth because it's British. I love it. I'm like. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no, I, um, what can I say? I am kind of my own muse. Like I am able to look at myself and laugh at myself. Like I am, I, I find, um, you know, often in a, in a situation you have a choice, you could go right or you could go left and, uh, right is like the right way to go. Like, that's what you should do. But wouldn't it be interesting if you went this other way? Like what would happen? What happens if you lie to the cop about your identity? What happens if you, you know, buy the car on eBay? Like what happens when you, so this is like, that's me. I kind of like to. I, I'm a sucker for a story. Like I take raconteur to the next level. Like I see the story as it's happening and I cannot wait to tell it at the cocktail party. So I, you know, I live it just to see how it'll end. Um, and so, yeah, that, uh, uh, I, I, to answer your question, um, these solo shows, uh, it started off just like I said. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't being cast traditionally, so I thought, "Well, gosh, you know, what should I do?" I got to writing um, a uh, what I thought was a solo show. It was really like um, like a sketch show. It was kind of like a um, Carol Burnett show starring Naomi Grossman. And the idea is that I would, you know, cast all my funny friends as the other, you know, supporting characters. Um, I got together with a, a really established um, uh, solo show director who said, this is great stuff, but it's not a solo show. You want to do a solo show and then you wrote a show starring a bunch of people. So why don't you write a solo show? So that's what I did. And, um, you know, and he was like, you know, what would you like to write about? And of course I was like, well, I wrote what I like to write about. And he said, all right, fine. Tell me your story. And so I did. I, um, and, you know, sadly, so much of my story is about wanting to be an actor, which is, quite toxic in Hollywood. Like if there's ever a story that, you know, that people do not want to hear, it's about your acting career or in my case at the time, lack thereof. 
So I, um, but I, you know, I told him my story, which included a, a little uh, sabbatical to Argentina in high school. And he's like, that's interesting. I would never know that about you. Let's hear about that. And so that's, that was the genesis for my first one woman show. Um, and maybe the genesis for my sort of uh need for adventure perhaps I don't know but um so that's where I that's when I got started on the first one which I think ultimately fueled that second one which is what I wrote when I uh while I was teaching Spanish uh post uh that boyfriend right right um and yeah it was again it was one of those things where I was like gee whiz what should I write about and I thought or, or what should I what should I do with myself and I thought well you know that solo show that was really the last time I was really truly fulfilled as a, as an artist and, and as a human. And so I thought, well, let's get back to that. And at that point I'd accumulated lots of other boyfriends since and figured, you know, there's gotta be something to this. Like, you know, I still don't have, you know, a ring or a baby or anything to show for these, you know, all these sort of, uh, misadventures dating in Los Angeles, I might as well, you know, create something, have something to show for myself. And so that's when I wrote Carnival Knowledge, which is that second solo show. Um, and sure enough, I've got a third under my belt, uh, which I've written during quarantine. Um, so yes, again, had I, I am so proud of myself to have, have had something to show for this last awful year yeah. um you know yeah. I really I I it was the same kind of thing I I was like well gee whiz I live I have no excuse right now you know I'm not baking bread I am not doing puzzles I refuse I'm gonna do something something that feeds me and um and I did I've written this third show it's called American Horror Story, uh, W-H-O-R-E, uh, again, completely autobiographical. Um, it's, it's not quite what you think. Um, it's not uh, that kind of horror. Um, I wrote that stories in Carnival Knowledge, that horror. Right, right. This horror is more of a hustler horror. Um, so you'll, you'll be meeting Naomi um, pre-pepper, mid pepper post pepper it's a little more mature story um and yeah there's some bad boyfriends in there and actually the spanish the spanish job is in there too um so yeah again i don't get me wrong i'm not such a narcissist that i can only write about myself and uh you know here i am filled i don't know how many minutes with just you know Naomi 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 but I mean there are uh, I take a lot of interest in a lot of things uh other than myself but I do know that my stories are one are, are ones that no one else can tell and so you know I have a, a a unique voice and I'm not afraid to share it so yeah that's but- what I'm about that's what it's all about. And they, they look absolutely fascinating. As I say, I, mean, I was watching the clips on your YouTube channel. And it's the one about the yoga teacher I found particularly. I, it just shows how limber you are as well. <laughs> you think that helped me get another boyfriend, right? 
<laughs> no, you know, I've come to learn now in retrospect, it was not the yoga teacher. It was the yoga. Right. Right. So, okay. I, you know, I'm now I'm like, I'm, I've drunk the Kool-Aid on yoga. Like I'm, yeah. So yeah, yeah. poor um, guy, I invited him to that show. He was horribly embarrassed. Um, didn't even greet me, uh, afterwards, just left right away. Um, which is too bad. Like, again, he thought it was all about him. Little did he know if he's, he just happens to be the only yoga teacher I'd known I, who, whatever yoga teacher I took from, I was bound to fall in love with. I, I just love yoga. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can just imagine. Yeah. The reaction sitting in the audience and that dawning dread and realization that that's she can't me. be talking. No, she, yeah, that's me. That, yeah, that oh, really. you'd be surprised though. Uh, I had another uh, gentleman in the, in the audience who uh, I actually invited. I, I told him um, I've written a show. Uh, you're a character. Uh, I just want you to be prepared for again, while you're, when you're sitting in the audience, would you believe, well, I kind of gave it away when I said specifically he was this hot old guy. And sure enough, I mean, this gentleman, he's very handsome, but he sat front row center, very tall, maybe six, four, uh, with a full head of white, you know, silver hair. And so of course the whole, uh, and he's basically so close that like the light is on him essentially. So, you know, the whole audience is like, it's that guy. And would you believe well, first off, I make him out to be quite a Casanova. Like he, he was not mad at that show at all. In fact, he kept bringing dates. It's almost like I was his like re reference, you know, if, Hey, for a good time, like, you know, Naomi said, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so you know everyone has a, a different reaction to being the um the subject of a show right um i have another boyfriend who doesn't speak english so he he loved it just because he kept you know he kept hearing his name and that was the only part he understood and he was just so uh you know thrilled to 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 have had this honor he, he didn't know what i was actually saying and had he understood he might not have been so thrilled but oh well <laughs> Again, yeah yeah as, as uh, ignorance is bliss <laughs> ignorance absolutely yeah no as regular viewers will know i did a one-man show a couple of years ago just before the pandemic about my life and 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 so on there's a couple of people who have mentioned that it yes was <laughs> in that kind of context um <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Now you've already you mentioned Pepper. Uh, this is Pepper from American Horror Story, uh, which we can see beautifully illustrated behind you. The, uh, oh, yeah. So all this art is this art that people have given you? Yes. Uh, at one point or another, I can pretty much trace back each one. This was I remember given to me by a gentleman in uh, Ontario, Canada. Uh, this guy um, dates back to Sao Paulo, Brazil. Like, I remember these artists as they uh, gave me their pieces. It's it's so moving to me. You know, I, I've, I've been inspired by a million, you know, characters out there, but I've never thought to sit down and paint or draw them. Like, that's, 
It, it's amazing. But evidently people do because I have a whole room to, to show for it. Wow. Wow. Okay. So this is um, Pepper in American Horror Story uh, season two. How did you get the part? Yes, I will correct that. Season two and four. Oh, and, uh, yes, absolutely. No, you're quite yes, correct. Of yes. course you're correct. Um, you would know. How did I get the part? Well, it was an audition like any other. Um, I had um, an agent at the time uh, who, eh, I'll badmouth him. Uh, you know, he was kind of one of these bottom feeder types that like sees a breakdown. A breakdown is basically the thing that, uh, that, um, Hollywood puts out um, that, uh, you know, that explains whatever it is that a given production is looking for. And um, in this particular case, it was like, you know, four to five feet tall, possibly malformed, childlike actress. Okay. So the point is this, this agent evidently saw that and said, oh, you know, who do I have that's short? And my name popped up. Uh, so, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is this wasn't some, you know, he, he wasn't using these like visionary casting skills when he thought of me. Like, I think he just threw all his, you know, petite actresses at a canvas and saw what stuck. Um, I will say, I think the casting agents, however, really deserve some some real props uh, because they were able to um, see me. I mean, the fact mm. is like, yes, I am four to five feet tall. I am maybe even five one. Uh, but, you know, they were able to look past that. Uh, they, you know, I'm not malformed, but, you know, I can, you know, I'm a trained uh, improviser and theater, you know, actress, mm. like I can, I can do that. Like, um, you know, I personally really object to this idea that we have to be the thing that we're playing. Like that seems like, uh, uh, I, that's totally against what I'm here to do. Like, I want to be everything but me. If I wanted to just be me, I'd be on a reality show. No, thanks. Um, that you right here, right now are getting as pure Naomi as, as I'll ever show, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, in any case, the, so yes, the audition, uh, consisted of an, um, a monologue of Jessica Langs from season one, uh, as well as uh, a little improv. They gave me a ball and they asked me to try to get them to play with them which at the time I was like I don't get this at all but you know in retrospect I I realized um they you know that they wanted to see range they wanted to see uh that I could go from you know the early um you know playful pepper to the evolved alien abducted pepper so, yeah, but I yeah. remember what, driving away from that audition, as you do in Los Angeles, you know, just berating myself like, oh, what was that? Like, Naomi, of all the auditions, that's the one you kill, the one you can't possibly get. I mean, because there was there was a whole waiting room of little people like and, and here I was mistakenly basically casting it myself, deciding that I was not, you know, freaky enough for the show. I mean, the irony is 
they got the real freak. <laughs> <laughs> what, did, what, did, what did you think of the script when you first read it? I didn't read it. <laughs> uh, no, truly. I, uh, I did not see a full script until season four. All I got was the pages I was on, um, which is crazy. I mean, I, I, that is just how secretive this show is. They're keep things very close to the vest. Um, and you know, it's, it's difficult because I was having to fill in all kinds of holes that I, I didn't know, you know, like, so for example, in the scene for, you know, those who've watched it, the scene when we were first introduced to Pepper. And um, I want to say it's uh, Lily Rabe's character, Sister, Sister Mary Eunice says, oh, Pepper. Oh, she she cut her uh, sister's baby's ears off. And, uh, you know, and so then at that moment, I kind of look at her with this little, like, little devilish look as if maybe I did, maybe I didn't. Like, I, because I honestly didn't know. I had, I, all I had was what Lily Rabe said, and she said I did it. Does it mean I did? Not necessarily, but, you know, so I, it's interesting to go back and watch knowing how very little I actually knew. I, I, I didn't know much. So I was having to play specific enough that it, it wasn't totally general, but, uh, but obtuse enough that I wasn't you know, giving anything away or projecting anything that may or may not even be true. I will say by the time season four rolled around and I was not only getting to read these full scripts, but also my actual backstory, that was like, because I, I'd already created my own story. I had my own thing going on, whether or not anybody else gets to hear it was it's neither here nor there, but an actor has to know, you know, where they've come from, what their relationships are, you know, their, their whole backstory. So even though we didn't know that about Pepper, it's not to say I didn't, I didn't know it. I sure did. But of course, then the real backstory, the one that the writers wrote for me, that was, you know, that was a newsflash. And, um, but it was, so much better than the story that I created for myself. Right, right. And that was the beauty of it. Yeah. And for those who don't know, um, Pepper obviously suffers from microcephaly. Um, mm -hmm. Was part, you, as you say, you didn't get to read the script. What sort of research did you do uh, about the condition? Quite a bit. Um, because, you know, I, I come from the groundlings where we were all about making fun and I mean, not about making fun of a disease per mm. se, but the whole point of of that place was comedy, getting a laugh. And this is not a comedy. <laughs> and especially this disease is not a comedy. So sorry. Um, I uh, so, uh, yeah, I took that 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 my assignment very seriously. I. Uh, rented the movie Freaks, uh, which stars, of course, Schlitzy, the real life microcephalic after whom this, uh, you know, Pepper was modeled. Uh, and boy, I watched that on a loop. I don't even know if I ever returned it to the video store, <laughs> actually, now that I think about it. Um, yeah. And I mean, I would even be 
you know, waiting, you know, in my trailer, I would quick binge a little uh, YouTube schlitzy every time before I went it just to make sure I was, you know, doing it. Um, so I really did sort of the, you know, outside in, like I kind of nailed his, I should say, because Schlitzie was male, um, gestures, walk, talk, sounds, you know, all of that. Uh, and, but then I also in tandem with that, uh, worked with a coach and together we sort of formed this, you know, backstory and, um, and so, you know, you put it all together and, you know, I've got the inside and the outside. Right. Um, yeah. Now, when did you discover that they were going, they were intending to shave your head as part of the makeup process? Um, that was uh, several weeks uh, after I'd been cast. So at that point, I'd, I'd already gone to several uh, makeup tests. Um, and, you know, at that point, they'd only been putting, um, you know, ball caps on me. So I was, um, uh, but, but, you know, and they explained like, oh, it's just so much faster to shave your head. And of course I was like, okay, but I mean, <laughs> is it like, I mean, I get it. Like at the end of the day, they're saving so much money, like paying me to shave my head and buying me a fancy wig is so much cheaper than creating a ball cap because they're not just putting on like some, you know, swimming mm. cap. This mm. is a, a ball cap with actual like little hairs, each one sewn in. I mean, these, this is like a next level, um, you know, special yeah. effects makeup. It's, it's, there. It, you know, my little, um, the, the, of the pepper makeup, those brows, each hair had been sewn in. Okay. And those were never recycled. They were used once for one day and one day, and then they were, you know, discarded. So this is just a ton of craftsmanship, uh, which costs money. So yes, Mm. it was cheaper. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't anxious to do it, but I also wasn't anxious to lose the part. And, and I, I did fear that they would replace me if I didn't just go for it. And I, I'm glad I did. Yeah. Yeah. What was the hardest part of playing the role? Oof. Um, uh, well, uh, I would say, uh, I mean, we sort of touched on it in terms of having to fill in holes myself, like not having all the information. Mm-hmm. Like when, like I had a, a good month to sort of figure out the early pepper but then when when she came back from the aliens i had about a week with that material which is it's decent Mm. i mean i you know but at the same time i i was on set I, i was in the makeup trailer waiting to go shoot that where i was asking the question so wait a minute it says she's normal. What do you mean normal? Like this is this, the pepper I've established that is her normal. Do you mean drop the character? Like, do you mean, 
you know, what, what, what is normal? Like, so, um, you know, I had all kinds of questions that I needed to answer right there. And fortunately, you know, in that week of preparation, I sort of, I, I was ready with a whole menu, you know, do you want Dr. Pepper? Do you want Guru Pepper? Do you want this? You know, I had a whole, you know, what I, 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 I was, I had a whole list of what, what normal could be. And it was just kind of up to them to tell me which one they wanted. Uh, But, you know, that, that can be a little nerve wracking, you know, being on set, like having your makeup applied and asking these questions and not even to uh, necessarily the powers that be. I mean, really the, the only folks I had, a, a lot of access to was obviously the makeup people. So, you know, I'm asking them, they're texting the producers, the producers are texting back. And I mean, that's how I'm getting my information, which is, um, yeah, it, it can be a little nerve wracking. I, I think that, I think that might, that, uh, that might be it. That might be it. Although right. there were so many challenges. I mean, just little things that you wouldn't even think about, like, um, you know, once they put that nose on, you better not have to blow for another 16 hours uh you know uh the uh, grazing at craft services couldn't very well do that you know all your little time wasters like you know texting between t- i my fingers didn't the my my iphone didn't recognize those big man hands so you know there were so many things um that i i just you you have to figure out yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Or just do without. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? That relationship between the actor and the makeup artist when you're talking about special effects. Um, It it really is vital because that is literally who you spend all your time with. What, okay, so that was, those are the hardest parts. What was the most fun part about playing Pepper? I think the uh, total freedom that I felt. you know, they gave me one bit of direction and that was enough. It was perfect. It was do schlitzy. So I literally have had a two word bit of direction and it was perfect because it was, it was, it was enough that I knew exactly what to do, but it was also, it allowed me so much freedom. I, I was, I never felt, you know, micromanaged. I knew as long as I was doing schlitzy, I was doing what I was hired to do. Mm. Um, so I would say, you know, again, coming from um, the, the theater and improv world where, you know, you have total freedom um, into this, uh, you know, small box where you actually have um, <laughs> relatively little freedom. Um, it, that that was, you know, I, I I never felt my wings were clipped. Even though obviously I had to adjust my performance for the small screen. At the same time, I I felt uh, carte blanche, um, sort of red carpet invitation to let my freak flag fly. And that was, you know, as an actor, I mean, that's, that's worth your weight in gold or whatever the expression is. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, You kind of talked about um, producers being on the end of line. How closely did you get to work with Ryan Murphy? 
he directed uh, several episodes. Right. So, um, you know, in, in certain, some weeks, quite close. Um, uh, I, you always got the, his presence is always there. You right. know, he's, um, I, I think, I, I feel like he's probably was more involved earlier on than now. That's just the sense you get. Like, mm. you know, once a show is really like kind of up and running, once it's on to its, you know, ninth tenth episode or tenth season yeah he he doesn't feel like you know he's not um there for all of it per se but um you definitely you know the thing is part of his genius is he's not only well he's a genius but he's also surrounded himself by other genii (laughs) and um and they are like the ryan whisperers like they know what he wants so, you know, yes, they're going to show him and make sure it's what he wants. But at the end of the day, they're able to really like tap into his his taste. And right. um, I think that's part of their success, um, you know, as a company is that there is one vision um, and everyone has kind of agreed on that vision and is working towards it. Right. Right. So. Because you you mentioned the fact that you came back uh, in season four as um, Pepper, but you also went on to play a different character in a later mm-hmm. season. I'm curious, mm-hmm. is, is that the, what was it like? Were you working with the same crew again, or was it? Yes completely- and no. I mean, there had been some changes at that point, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it also felt very much like a reunion. I was you know back with my same old makeup artists, and they served meatloaf on set. That was. You know, again, for for fans, they'll remember when Pepper wanted her meatloaf and never got it. But I'm happy to tell you, I got it. She got (laughs) it after all, everybody. No, but, um, you know, and actually, I want to say Sarah Paulson was directing uh, the episode when I first came back. And so there were there were a lot of sort of um, it felt very familiar and like a kind of a homecoming. Right, right, right. Um, Yeah. Oh, cool. So moving on from that slightly to Control-Alt-Delete, for Uh which you were nominated, and I'm going to read this out, Emmy-nominated for Outstanding Actress in a Short-Form Comedy or Drama. Mm -hmm. Congratulations on that. What was the experience like of the nomination? And I understand the whole thing can be quite grueling. Oh, grueling? Having people fawn over you, uh, invite you to take some free stuff and, you know, tweet about it, Uh, (laughs) go to parties, wear dresses, uh, talk about yourself in interviews. Yeah. Grueling. Let me tell you. No, I, um, it, it was wild. I mean, that was this, it was a project that uh, a couple friends of mine um, had pitched to me and, the idea, of course, was that it would not end as a, you know, a, a short form uh, piece, but rather as a proof of concept for something much bigger, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, I want, let's face it, I still haven't gotten my series regular role on a, on a, on a show yet. And so if that's how I make it happen, you know, from the ground up, starting mm-hmm. with the, uh, you know, pilot presentation, then we get it sold and then 
voila, uh, you know, magic. I'm, I'm all, all of a sudden I've weaseled my way into a series regular role that that'll work. So really I just, I saw this project as something that I thought was uh, important uh, and, and not, not in existence. Like at that point we hadn't seen a abortion comedy, um, you know, but the fact is, Let's face it. Um, first off, I absolutely I believe in laughing at everything. If if we can, there is humor everywhere. Uh, you know, uh, you just got to find it. Um, but also, I mean, let's face it. Uh, a, an abortion clinic is a workplace like any other for for some, right? Um, I mean, I, I've never worked at one, but but for the receptionist there, that's a, a job that. Uh, or nurse or, or whatever that it's, it's another job, you know? So to me, this was kind of like, uh, you know, just the way the, you know, uh, cheers was set at the bar or, um, I mean, you name it, this was, this was their cheers bar. This was, you know, this was the clinic. So, um, I, the, the character was <laughs> very fun. Um, apparently based on a real person who basically uh, uses abortion as her birth control. Um, uh, she was actually the only uh, would be series regular uh, only because she has that many on, uh, abortions. She's pretty much like there, you know, every month to uh, <laughs> take care of business. <laughs> she's got her own share, you know, everybody knows her. She's, you know, it's uh so anyway, I, again, I, I, I think it's important to find humor in these things. Mm. And, um, and I, I felt like it, it I, 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 I thought it was good to, uh, I, I just wanted to really support, uh, these friends in their endeavor and, um, in, in, in the message that they were trying to, to, um, put out there, um, an Emmy nomination was the absolute last thing I had in my mind. Um, so that was nice, but, um, I'd, I'd still like to see it as a, as a show. So I don't know where that is. I haven't right. spoken to them in a bit, but. Well, well, you never know what you, now, obviously you would touch on the fact that basically you've worked on, you've worked on film, you've done television, done color television, obviously got a huge investment in theater. Do you have a favorite out of those three? Um, I, well, we already talked about my experience with television being sort of this forbidden fruit and how delicious I find it. Um, I have always loved the idea of being in people's lives in a regular, like every week, kind of returning to their living rooms. Um, and of course, nowadays with streaming and binge watching and whatnot, it's, it's, that's not the way people do it. But I, I think as an actor, like as a process, I appreciate theater better. Like I love the idea of being able to live that character's arc from beginning to end in the course of a night, you know, whereas Film and TV can be so disjointed, like, oh, where am I now? Oh, oh, I, uh, oh, I don't know that my husband is uh, cheating. Oh, I'm not, I, I'm not, I haven't found the dead body in the, oh, oh, no, I have. Oh, oh, that changes everything. You know, so um, 
I, I, uh, I, uh, the, the, as a, as far as the acting profession goes, theater cannot be beat, but I am, I, I, I can't help it. I want as many eyeballs on me as possible. <laughs> and I've only, you know, I, let's face it. My theater audiences don't, don't come to Comic-Cons and draw, paint paintings of me, mm. you know? So mm. I'm, I'm a little bit of a sucker for the, the mass audience. And that's, that's what I found in TV. So right. I wish there was a way to combine the two. In fact, I'm hoping to, let's face it, this new solo show, uh, American Horror Story, uh, I would love to sell as a one hour comedy special, uh, you know, to one of these streaming mm. networks. And that way I get both, right? right? I get the mass audience and I get to, you know, live my after journey. So th- that's going to be my answer. A hybrid right. of the two. Right, right. That's, I'm, I'm really excited for your upcoming one, your solo show that. Because as I say, having just watched the clips of the previous ones, <laughs> it, just, it sounds as if it's going to be a great deal of fun, you know, and I look forward to be able to stream it over here. If not, see it live at Edinburgh or London or something. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Now I'm, that kind of brings us up to date. You're talking about the, the the one the solo show. Anything else you got coming up that you can share with us? Oh, I just worked um, a couple of days ago on a film called Replica. Uh, it's a low budget film. Uh, stars uh, Ricky uh, Mickey Rourke um, and uh, some other really talented actors. Um, I play a, um, a, a meth addict, um, a neo-Nazi's girlfriend. I'm, um, I, I don't want to give too much no. more, no. It's, no. Uh, but it's a very, very gritty role, very far from myself, which is, of course, my favorite always. Um, and yeah, it was, it was fun. We got to really act. Right. You know, we were really and uh, especially because a lot of the um, the actors on set were did come from the theater. And so we would be acting full scenes, um, you know, even before the cameras were rolling, even when they weren't on us, we were giving it our all like like a true, you know, thespian. And um so I'm very anxious for that. That said, they're not even wrapped. Like the movie's still being shot. So, right. you know, people, you know, whenever you ask that question, people say, oh, where can we see it? When, like, who knows? Like, it's still not even, it's not even in the can. So right. Right. it'll be a while before we get to actually really talk about that. But right. um, that's what's uh, most recently in my uh right. zeitgeist right. <laughs> <laughs> cool okay well we're nearly at the end um i would like to end with the luggage in the crypt questions Ooh. um so basically the idea as i say is as, it, as the name implies we're about to send you in probably into a huge great pyramid if that's what you'd like um and kind of ask what you would like to take with you so can you think of a film that you'd like to take with you borat Really? (laughs) I know. I know. I come off like people see me as this like very serious actor. But the fact is, 
I, if I could come back as Sasha Baron Cohen, you know, with these like cojones of steel and who, you know, he's just this master improviser who can, who is making theater, let's say, or, or uh, film too, of course. Yeah. But I mean, he's making, um, uh, he, he's creating uh, scenes out of no, nothing. Right. Uh, and he's, oh, he's just such a master. I, I, I prefer this the first to the second. Right. Uh, but I mean, uh, yeah. Borat would right. be my film choice. Okay. What about a book? Ooh. Um, there's a book I read during the pandemic called loving what is it's by a woman named Byron Katie. And she's one of Oprah's favorites. It's it's a, a self-help book. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of a sucker for those. Um, but it's all about sort of just accepting where you are. And um, it's amazing. It's uh, She has what she calls the work. It's uh, basically a, a bit of inquiry in which you ask yourself certain questions. Uh, the first one being, uh, is it true or is it real? I can't remember. I got to go back and read the book. But half the time, you'd be surprised. Half the times, the uh, the thing that we're you know plagued with or worrying about isn't even real. It's not even true. You know, it hasn't happened yet. It may never happen. So um, I I know I read that at the start of this pandemic, and it really helped because mm-hmm. you know so much of what we were fearing. You know, my neighbor's gonna kill me. Is it true? You know? <laughs> yeah. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> I want to kill them, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to supply this as evidence should the court case come up. I, you know. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what about an album? What about music? Oh. Um, probably the Beatles' White Album. I I just love, I love the Beatles. Um. I know I'm too young to love them so much. Like, it's like, really? Okay. But um, yeah, I just, I feel like that's just masterful. I, I never get sick of it. it you know, it's, it's thankful. I'm glad I don't have like Sirius FM or one of those channel, you know, one of those satellite stations where all you hear is, is one thing because mm-hmm. I would literally have the Beatles on repeat and it would be endlessly annoying to everyone around me i'm sure but not me not me <laughs> that seems fair enough what about a favorite food or drink mm. i would say um argentine asado like filet mignon i mean you know I, I, like if i could have like a big just like grill of beef I know I'm upsetting all the, like my yogi mm-hmm. friends, I, but I, I can't help it. Like that. It's, uh, yeah, that's my answer. That's fair that's, it's your choice. It's, it's your, that's your afterlife. You take what you want. What, yeah. um, what about a piece of visual art, a painting or a statue? Hmm. <laughs> As I look around at all these pieces of art, um, <laughs> You know, um, my dad was an architect and uh, like a 
modern, mid-century modern architect. And it would probably be hard to take my childhood home with me to the afterlife, but you didn't say it had to like fit in the box. Or no, anything. no, it's a, it's a big pyramid. It's, a, you know, this, okay, you, know, you can have, if you want that, that's absolutely fine. That's, yes, so I would like... Yeah, our home um, was actually featured in a, 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 a book that the uh, Architectural Digest put out. Um, it was just this beautiful little box house uh, with a blue door and uh, glass all around. Um, I literally lived in a glass house. <laughs> uh, so you can't throw stones. Uh, but, no. uh, yeah, it, um, yeah, I think oh, okay. that's what I would take. Oh, but, but yeah. My my husband's father was an architect, or is he's retired now? He still works. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So I I can appreciate that. I completely appreciate that. What about a luxury? Something that is of no practical use whatsoever? A luxury. Mm. I think being able to uh, only do what I want to do at any given time. So, you know, being able to quit that Spanish teaching job and never have, you know, anyone, anything that I have to do at any given time that I don't want to do, like being able to just be an actress, which I've been able to be for the last hmm, seven years. It has been, I mean, of all the like amazing, awesome things that have come of this whole pepper thing, it's that being able to just quit my day job and just be what I want. That is the greatest luxury to me. Wow. Wow. That, yes. And I think that's something that people everywhere would recognize. That is a great choice. That's a wonderful choice. (laughs) (laughs) Naomi, thank you very much indeed. Oh, this was so much fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Take care of yourself. And I look forward to that solo show. Take care. Oh, yes. We'll see you in Edinburgh and London. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. My thanks again to Naomi Grossman. Join me next week. And in the meantime, stay safe and well. The Chattering Hour, hosted by Nicholas Vince, is produced by Chris Rowe Management and Tea Time Productions. Producer Chris Rowe, with production support from Amanda Rome West. Composer Kevin McLeod, copyright Tea Time Productions.